Good to see everyone. Praise the Lord for rain. Amen. I got my car washed and I got a shower this morning. and That's from the rain. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm not complaining about rain. We sure do need it. I thank the Lord for that and uh, just uh, praise the Lord for answered prayer there. And uh, we was able to go to Kimswick yesterday. Seen some new Salemers out there at Kimswick. Uh, up there at the uh, Apple Butter Fest. I was the pack mule. <laughs> I had a, a thing to carry stuff. But, we, you know, we didn't buy nothing. I carried that thing around all day and uh, just uh, didn't get nothing. But you know what? I uh, had a lot of fun, and uh, I did not eat any of the food. That's good for me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, had a good time. But uh, here we are today. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. I count the privilege to preach for Brother Randy and uh, fill in today, uh, just uh, what well, an honor it is to get into the Word today. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. Uh, if there was a Bible character, a person in the Bible I want to meet besides Jesus, of course, uh, this would be John the Baptist. And uh, just, uh, he's a most, uh, well, Jesus says in verse 11 how he's among all those that are <clears throat> the, that are born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist, and uh, so uh, he's just an interesting character to study. And I, I would one of the uh, first people, or first few people I would like to meet uh, uh, when uh, we see Jesus face to face would be John the Baptist. Okay, uh, but uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, and let's go ahead and read this together. It says, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What? went ye out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see, for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I send you among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than than he. We'll stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the Word of God today, and what a, what a privilege it is to partake of it this morning, and we ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will have a freedom today to deal with our hearts. Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity to have the Word of God before us today to preach. And we ask you, God, that uh, you just uh, speak to us in a very special way, Lord, Whatever needs are here in this room, God, I pray you meet these needs. And perhaps there may be even one without Christ here today. Lord, I pray today will be their day of salvation. We ask you now your blessing on your word today. Help us to see you in a new light today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is God real? Then why is this happening to me? You ever ask that question? God, if you love me, why am I alone? How come I feel alone? God, you know, what have I done to deserve all this? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Are you real? You know what the psalmist said in Psalms 10, verse 1? He said, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? 
Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? Have you ever been there? Have you ever asked the question, Lord, I mean, why do you stand far off? Now, we know the truth of the matter is he is not far off. We know that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We know the Bible verses. We know the Bible inside and out. And we know the truth, yet sometimes we feel as, well, God, where are you at? God, what's happening here? God, you are so far away. You know, when I had my surgery, you know, I knew God would take care of it. I, I wasn't in fear of that, but, you know, it felt like God was way out there. Can, can we give a testimony on something like that? Like he's not like a, uh, there's nothing there. But the truth of the matter is, the fact of it is, that he is. And looking back, it, it didn't change anything that he was and is always there. Sometimes, though, you know, we have a phrase that I know without a shadow of a doubt God was there. I know that. But that's where the shadow of a doubt comes in. Sometimes there is a shadow of a doubt that does come into our mind. And we find that here one of the greatest men in the Bible, one who's ever been born, and that's John the Baptist, had a shadow of a doubt. Oswald Chambers said this, he said, Doubt is not always a sign that a man or a woman is wrong. It may be a sign that he or she is thinking. That we're thinking. And so, you know, the question I want to ask you today, and you may want to write this down and talk about it later. It's good to talk about these things, write it in your bulletin and Take it home, uh, talk over lunch as you're eating delicious bologna sandwiches. Amen. <laughs> How has doubt been a struggle in your own relationship with God? How has doubt been a struggle in your own relationship with God? I'm going to say it one more time. How has doubt been a struggle in your own relationship with God? I'm going to start off real quickly this morning. Number one is simply this. Uh, we all have shadows of doubt that come in our mind, and they're real, and they're real for the Christian. If you look at verse 2, you find John the Baptist here. It says, uh, When John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another. We find here that what John is asking the question here, are you the chosen one? Are you really the Messiah or should we look for another? John's calling in life was to prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He was to prepare the way. However, now he's asking, are you really the one? Are you the chosen one, the Messiah, or should we look for another? Have I missed my calling, basically what John said? Have I missed something here? And we find that it, this occurs in all of our lives. If you've been a Christian for many years, or if you're, it, it will occur where you're going to have doubts in your mind. And, uh, and we find here where John's at, uh, he's not there with Jesus. In fact, he's in a prison way down south near the Dead Sea. Herod had imprisoned him for simply preaching against his sin. We find, I think, Matthew 4, verse 12, it says, John had been cast into prison not long after Jesus, uh, uh, the temptation of Christ there. Uh, it wasn't long after that we find John was cast into prison. And I, I call it, uh, as a one preacher said, the dungeon of disappointment. He was in a dungeon. He was in a prison. The crime he committed was simply preaching God's word. And I want to tell you that, that's coming to our country pretty soon. In the woke society we live in, uh, you're going to find that happening really soon. Somebody say amen there. Amen. You know, the, uh, somebody said this. If you don't, I don't know who said it, so I'll claim it. If it's anonymous, quote it from Steve Bester. Amen. If you don't want any trouble, don't say anything, don't do anything, don't be anything. Huh. 
Blessed are the nobodies, for they disturb no one. Now, you, and that's basically it. But if you start meddling, if you start speaking the truth, if you start preaching, I guarantee there's going to be trouble. Second Timothy chapter 3.12, I throw this in, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, let's just get it out there. If, you, if you're living a life that's pleasing to God, you're going to have opposition. Well, let's go on here to Matthew chapter 11. By the time we arrive here, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, of course, is, uh, many miracles are taking place, and uh, he's raising the dead. You'll find this also over in uh, uh, Luke chapter 7. Uh, but if you read the verses before that, you'll find a, a, a lot of miracles taking place. You find, of course, the, the dead being raised uh, to life. You find the deaf being able to hear. You find the lame being able to walk. And uh, Jesus is, uh, uh, great crowds are coming there. And, uh, and so we have a, <clears throat> two disciples of John that were going back and forth that were telling him what was going on. He, John the Baptist is hearing of all these miracles. He's hearing of all these teachings. He's hearing of the oppositions. He's hearing of the victories, the successes, all these things. And while all these are happening, we find John the Baptist is locked up in prison for the cause of Christ. This is John the Baptist. Let me remind you that his, he was the prophet whose prophecy, he was fulfilled by Scripture. Uh, he was the forerunner of Christ. Uh, I mean, you look at John's life whenever he was uh, in Elizabeth's womb, uh, when Mary came in to tell Elizabeth that she was with child. Uh, the Bible says that John the Baptist in the womb there leaped for joy, just leaped, and, uh, and uh, jumped around there and, and was filled with the Holy Spirit there. Uh, when it came to preaching, uh, John the Baptist was preaching repentance, preparing the way. Uh, and we find uh, these things going on in John the Baptist. He... He witnessed, uh, the, the, when he baptized Jesus, he witnessed the Spirit of God ascending down uh, from heaven and, and uh, hearing the voice of God saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. I mean, this is John the Baptist who, when Jesus came up to be baptized, he said over in John uh, chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So all these things about John the Baptist, uh, uh, yet we find that he had doubts come into his mind. And when I read this, I'm thinking of how real the Bible is and how real these characters are and how real we need to be today that even with John the Baptist, even in our own life, we sometimes have doubts that come into our mind. It may be a shout of a doubt. You believe... But yet there is a doubt. We wonder about God. We wonder, are you really real? We wonder. We begin to think, Lord, what are you doing in my life? We find that's true today. Our days of doubt and uncertainty come. Going back to the Bible, you know, you find that in all the characters of the Bible. Moses... Uh, you know, Moses wanted to quit on many occasions. Uh, Numbers chapter 11, I believe that's uh, some of the scripture there. Uh, we find uh, Elijah uh, after a great victory in his life, casting fire came down from heaven and uh, on Mount Carmel. Uh, but yet, uh, the next chapter, he's running from the old wicked Queen Jezebel, and all the doubt and emotions and thoughts were coming in his mind. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, he's known as the weeping prophet. And he did a lot of crying. If you think you do crying, Jeremiah did a lot of crying, a lot of weeping, a lot of wailing. But over in Jeremiah 20, he was discouraged and kind of wondering about things. Lord, what are you doing in my life? What's going on here? Even Paul knew about uh, uh, the meaning of despair. I mean, uh, we can go on and on and on and on. But the point of it here is we all face some times in our life where there is a shadow of a doubt that pops in our head. And doubt is uh, it's a matter of the mind where we just can't understand what God is doing or why he's doing it. Now, it's different from unbelief. Unbelief is a matter of the will where we just refuse to believe God's word. We refuse to obey it. 
And we just, uh, we just have an unbelief there. But it's not unbelief, it's a doubt where we just don't understand. But it occurs in all of our lives. If you're a Christian today, don't be surprised when a shadow of a doubt comes in your mind. Now, why do they pop in our mind? Well, uh, there again, if you look at John the Baptist's life, he was in prison there. Uh, he, he was in a secluded prison, actually, at about 15 miles south of the Dead Sea. It was a place called the Mercurius there. Um, Herod had a big old temple there, a big old palace, excuse me. And uh, he had an extravagant palace and all that, but he also had with that a, a very dingy dungeon and no one came down to, would come down to see him. It's out of place, out of sight, out of mind. If you were there in that prison, no one would come and, and visit you because it's out of the middle of nowhere. You just wouldn't make that journey down to go see anybody. And that is exactly where John the Baptist was. He had preached against Herod and Antipas because uh, he had uh, stole his uh, stepbrother's uh, wife. And the Herods were always a cesspool of immorality and and so John the Baptist, as he does, preaches against sin and, and the filth of sin and repentance, and therefore he is in prison because of that. With that being said, we find a lot of times in our life a shadow of a doubt comes in whenever we're going through difficult situations. And John the Baptist was definitely going through a difficult situation. Talk about cabin fever. This is more like dungeon fever. Have you ever been cooped up before? I know I have. <laughs> Want to get out and do something and you can't? Want to get involved in gold, but you can't? And uh, part of that was John the Baptist, but yet we find, you know, he was not only cooped up, but he was experiencing shame. It was not a badge of honor for John the Baptist to be placed in the prison. It, he was a... Uh, I mean, this, was, uh, this man had a successful ministry. He had disciples. He, when he was preaching, had great crowds that would gather. And uh, he was doing what God had told him to do, what he was directed to do. But you find now he's uh, in this prison. Now he is, uh, uh, there's hunger pains involved. Have you ever been hungry before? It's what, you, know, you didn't get fed much there if you had someone who you knew would bring you food. I believe his disciples probably brought him something to eat, but uh, it was a place of hunger, a place of physical torment. Uh, it was, there was no air conditioning there. There was no uh, running water that you could bathe. I mean, this place was uh, definitely a, uh, a place you wouldn't want to be. And then, then there was the emotional struggle that he sat there alone many hours, many days in prison. You know what do they do over in prison? Whenever you go to prison, if you to punish you, you know what they do? They put you in solitude. Some of you say, well, I sure like to be alone right now. Well, you won't like to be alone for very not long because we are created for companionship. We like to, whether you like it or not, we like that we're made to talk to people. That's a problem we're seeing today with our phones. You know, we kind of need to get off and start talking face to face. Somebody say amen there, all right? But uh, we need that. We need the relationships. And, and so John the Baptist was all by himself. And, and uh, he discouraged depression, loss of direction in his life. What he used to do, he's no longer doing. He used to be out there uh, uh, preaching to crowds and preparing the way of Christ. And Christ has come now. And now here he is in prison. A lot of times in our life we get uh, things that come up in our life that trouble us. And because of that, it sends us to wondering, God, what have you done in my life? What are you doing right now? Those doubts come in our life and they're real. You may have gone through a, maybe a health scare or a financial problem. And you, you've got the plans. You know what God has wants you to do. You, you have a direction. You have a goal. But then all of a sudden they get derailed, detoured, destroyed. It's like it dies. What you had dreamed of accomplishing in life, it's gone. Some of you may have dealt with that in marriage. Maybe with your kids. 
What you have thought would be is not what it actually is. Sometimes a shadow of doubt comes when we go through difficult situations and we begin to wonder, Lord, are you real? Are you real? Is it worth it? Another thing about shadow of doubts when they arise in our life, they come when we have unmet expectations about Christ, about God. I think that occurred here in John the Baptist's life. He, he expected something different than what actually took place. I mean, really, when you read the Scriptures, you know the, the, uh, the Old Testament and Isaiah 61 that talks about the Messiah, about Jesus. He came to, pro, it says he pro, pro, to proclaim liberty uh, to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. I mean, I mean, this is part of Jesus. He was coming to set people free. And, but yet we find John the Baptist in prison. He's not. Surely Jesus would come and set him free. It's becoming clear by this point that Jesus was not meeting really anybody's expectation of the Jewish people because they were expecting a Messiah to come and set them free from the Roman Empire to usher in the kingdom of Israel. And that's part of a promise that when Jesus would fulfill, but it's not during this time, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. His purpose was to come and to die on the cross and pray for our sins. Behold, the Lamb of God comes. But the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of heaven, that's all going to be set up when Jesus comes back again. I'm looking forward to that day. He comes back and sets things that are wrong, sets them back right. He had come to sit, uh, sit on his throne in Jerusalem. And, and uh, that's going to be a wonderful time during the millennial reign of Christ when all things will be set in order. But that's to come. But the people during this day, many of them, a good majority of them, were expecting their Messiah to come and to lead them to victory and to have the kingdom of Israel established again. And although John the Baptist prophesied that uh, Jesus would be, uh, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, yet he didn't have the whole picture. He didn't understand it all. We find here John the Baptist prophesied also. You know, he talked about, uh, if you read about John the Baptist in Scripture, he, he prophesied that Christ would bring a judgment, but yet Rome is still in charge. Herod is still wicked, and the Jewish system is still corrupt. Things wasn't changing much in that direction. Matter of fact, Jesus is teaching forgiveness. He's teaching love your enemy. He's teaching, he, he's actually hanging out with sinners. He, he wasn't even fasting. You find many, if you read scripture, you'll find he's feasting. So we find all this going on. John the Baptist says, are you the chosen one? Or should we look for another? A lot of times we have a preconceived notion of who Christ is. What's your preconceived notion? What's your ideal of who Jesus is? Who do, you, do you have expectations on Christ that are not true? We find the shadow of doubt comes when we have unmet expectations. A lot of times someone gets sick and we expect someone to be healed and they die. Well, that's the ultimate healing if they know Christ. Amen. Sometimes we have a bill that comes in our mailbox. You all got bills that come in your mailbox? Mine comes on email, <laughs> online, all that. And it's not paid and you expect a check somewhere and it doesn't show up and then there's a second notice and before long they're calling you. We expect certain things of God. Something goes wrong and we expect God to bring fire down from heaven. Your, your, ex, your ex-husband, ex-wife doing something bad and you expect, well, God's going to bring down fire and all of a sudden they win the lottery. 
just crazy stuff like that. And you, you have the expectation, God's going to judge them. And all of a sudden, you're wondering, God, what is going on? I was, I was reading, I say that because Luke chapter 9, uh, whenever they, they were, uh, it says the, the, there was a village, Jesus was in a village there, and the Samaritans would not make ready for him. Uh, they just basically were going to turn Jesus away. And uh, Let me read this, verse 54, chapter, Luke chapter 9, verse 54. It says, when the disciples James and John saw this, this is the sons of thunder, okay, uh, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? Now that sounds like a deal. Wouldn't you like to call fire down on somebody? And then Jesus said, but he turned, Jesus said this. He said, and rebuked them, say, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man has come not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Praise the Lord for a compassionate Savior. We're the ones that want to call fire down from heaven. We expect God to take care of that in our way, in our mind, in the way we think. Why, uh, they did this to us. I expect that uh, someone slashed your tires. I mean, don't be doing that, all right? We expect things. We have other expectations of Christ. We expect like a glow from heaven to come and a dove to descend and God can take care of this and that. God knows what he's doing and he may not take care of it the way you expect it to be. But realize this, folks, if you don't get anything else out today, God is good and he knows what he's doing and you just have to trust him at that. Amen. Shalvadout comes in the... Uh, a lot of times it arise where we just don't understand what's happening. I mentioned that earlier. Doubt comes in our mind. We just we just don't understand how God's working. And John here, the John the Baptist, suffering from a limited limited uh, uh, perception here. Uh, he was pre-cross. I mean, he was before the crucifixion. He he uh, he just didn't simply understand everything that was going to happen or happening around him, and that's why. Uh, he sent his disciples to question Jesus. He didn't know the full extent of God's plan of salvation. He didn't know uh, the big picture. Uh, I want to tell you this. We don't know the big picture in our life. We don't understand. You know, we, we read the scripture, things come in our life. We say all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. The problem is we don't get the all things that work together. We don't understand that part. We just know they do. But we don't understand what the working. And it's not meant for us to understand it. And so we find that uh, we have difficulty grasping the big picture. But realize this, God's uh, working and, and, and his, his big picture there. We are not meant to understand all that God is doing. But you can trust this. God knows what he is doing and he is he what he's also doing in your life. We need to remember our perspective is always limited. Shadow of doubt pops in our mind. Yeah, it does. But just remember this: we don't understand the big picture going on in our life. Well, if you look here, verse four and five, and uh, this last part here, we want to uh, how to get beyond the shadow of doubt in our mind. And simply this: Jesus uh, was given. Uh, uh, John the Baptist, uh, uh, the answers he needed uh, with proof, evidence of who he was. Look at verse 4 and 5. says here, uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John. Now here's a word you might want to circle in your Bible. Again, again, those things which ye do hear and see. A lot of times we have to see it again. A lot of times we have to hear it again. That's why it's important we stay in the Word of God. That's why it's important we be reminded. That's why it's important that you may have heard this sermon over and over again or another passage over and over again. But we need to be reminded over and over again and again and again what the Lord has done, what He's doing, and what He will do. We find here that uh, uh, G John the Baptist did the right thing here, and that is he brought his doubt 
to Jesus. He sent a message to Jesus and asked the question, Hey, are you really who you say you are, or do we need to find another? That's an honest question. That is an honest doubt. But he brought it to the right person so that he could get the right answer. And a lot of times, I'm going to tell you, a lot of, say a lot of times, every time we need to bring it to the Lord. That's a real simple solution this morning to boldly go to the throne of grace where you'll find mercy. Go to the throne of grace. The Bible says boldly. Why is that? Because we have access to our Heavenly Father through Christ. Folks, we miss out on the power of prayer. We have access to God. Not through some man or through some church, but you yourself, if you know Christ today, you have a bold access to the Heavenly Father And that comes through Christ. And it's okay to talk when you have doubts today. When you're wondering what's going on in your life, and I tell people this a lot, and I did myself, vent to God. Talk to God. Tell Him what's on your heart. He already knows what's going on. But talk to Him. Sometimes yell to Him. How many of y'all has ever yelled at God before? Well, if you haven't, you will one day. Talk to Him. Nothing pleases God more than for us to have faith in Him. We exhibit faith in God when we speak to Him and talk to Him in prayer. Why is that? Because the Bible says we believe that He is. He's there. So even our prayer and talking to God, it pleases Him because it shows our faith. It shows that, hey... There is a God who we can talk to, and we talk to Him. And when you have any kind of doubts going on, we need to go directly to the Lord Himself. And it's okay to talk to the Lord about what's really going on in your life. If you don't understand, God, tell God, I do not understand. If you're having difficulty grasping the situation, uh, you may not understand the situation, but talk to God, prayer. I think one of the most neglectful things in the Christian walk today is a communication with God. That's where Satan likes to mess you up today is to keep you from talking to the Lord. If he can keep you from communicating, then he's won a significant battle in your life. He has brought defeat in your life. Satan does not want you talking to God. Oh, the old phrase is this, the weakest saint... See, the weakest, uh, I can't remember now, uh, but I'll get to it here. Uh, Anyway, but we need to talk to the Lord. We need to talk to Him. Boldly go to the throne of grace. Prayer is so important to help deal with our doubts that come into our mind. And then the second thing here, you find that uh, uh, the source of truth. Go again to what you know, what you have as truth. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus basically saying, hey, just look at what I've done. See what I've done. He brings up, uh, uh, if you go with verse 5, a fulfillment of Scripture here. It says, the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Those are things that are signs of the Messiah that was to come. Those are signs of, of, the, of the Messiah. And that's what Jesus was doing. It authenticated who he was. Uh, the raising of the dead. The healing of those who were deaf. Uh, those who could not walk could walk again. Those who could not talk could talk again. I mean, you find these miracles were a, a sign uh, that uh, this was who he said he was. It was, as we find here in verse 2, the works of Christ. That was the authentication of our Messiah here uh, during this day. It's a source of truth. It came from the Word of God. Now, with that being said, we have with us today 
the Word of God. We have with us today the truth. You, you cannot deny this fact that what we have in our hand today is the truth. That's why it is important. Now, this is simple prayer and reading the Bible. But I think it's more than just reading. I think it's studying. I think we need to understand what it's saying and more than just to mark it off our list. We need to get into the Word and to study it and find out what it's actually saying uh, to us, okay? The Scripture is the truth. And as we have this Word here again, again, and again, it needs to be reiterated. I can't say that to this. Boy, I'm all tongue-tied. Reiterated. Okay, you got it. Over and over and over again, it needs to be placed into our hearts. Jesus here didn't condemn John's doubt. He simply stated the facts that came from the truth of what he was doing and the Word of God. It's so important in our life we understand the promises of God. What you'll find whenever you review these things again and again, you'll find God's goodness and faithfulness in our life. Listen very carefully. God's the same yesterday today and forever. Y'all agree with that? Say amen. amen. If you don't agree with that, it doesn't matter. It's the truth. Jesus says he's the same. As a matter of fact, it also said Jesus is, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So uh, you'll find that when you have doubts in your mind, a shadow of doubt come in, well, talk to the Lord, get into the Word of God, look at the promises that he has in the Word of God, but also look back at where God has been faithful in your life. And you'll find this. God has always been faithful. That's why it's important to have testimony. That's why it's important to have testimony service. To testify what God has done in your life. Or what He's doing right now. This is why we have a generation today that don't really want to come to church. or don't want to hear about God. Or really don't believe that God's real because we... As uh, And I'm just blaming my generation and the generation before us. We stopped talking about how God is, what He's done in our life. We're all, ups- we're all uh, obsessed with our own life and, and what's going on in our life, what's going on with our kids and all that. And we fail to give God the glory and magnification of what He's done in our life. Praise God, we've got a good God who's still alive and still active in our life. But our generations today, listen, they do not hear this. And so they just assume that this is all fairy tale land and that God is not real and Jesus is not real and blah, 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 blah. They haven't seen, they have not seen God move in their life, nor have they heard God move in your life, my life. Isn't it sad? But whenever you realize how faithful God is and, and you're, you're, the shadow of doubt will disappear. Folks, I've seen God move the IRS in our life. Kelly can testify to this. That's a miracle in itself. Somebody say amen. amen. The IRS. Six weeks. Eight weeks is what they said would take for a transcript. It's a long story. But all we had to do was to pray. One of our sons would have been out of college. We knew God wanted him to be in college. And uh, he had to have the... the, uh, uh, We had to have our our, our tax transcripts in, but somehow they wasn't in. And I had to redo taxes and all that. You know, you all love taxes, don't you? And that, that sourpuss lady said, it's going, oh, it's going to take a good six weeks, and he's going to be out of college, going to come back home, and that's that. And, well, we went to pray. You know how, how, that, how that heart broke, how heart broke it was in her life to realize that our son really wanted to go to that college? And we told him about you know, what was going on, and uh, he was all willing, uh, yeah, well, if that happens, I said, well, let, we're going to pray this through. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And it took uh, one day or two days before the deadline, up pops on our screen the transcript that we needed. Praise God. 
How many weeks? I think it was three weeks, two weeks, three weeks. Well, it took like maybe six months. God moved the IRS. And you know what? I told them, listen, that's God. I've seen God stop the rain. We've seen, we've seen God where we, well, people pray as a, a church where pastor. We prayed. And God literally stopped the rain. And we have it uh, somewhere on my files of, of Brian Allworth trying to explain why there was a stalled system here. And, and, but around the Sexton area, it was dry. And we were praying, and that, I remember that Sunday morning we came to church and we, we had a kid's thing. We, there's the whole neighborhood was out. We were all sunburnt because we prayed. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe or not, but just the goodness of God, how faithful He is, even in the small ways or the big ways. Let me tell you, there's so much we need to let our next generation know that they're still living God and He's still active in our life and He still moves in our lives. How many of all have prayed for somebody before that uh, about their salvation and uh, they're pretty much a hopeless case, but then they turn around and they get saved? Answer to prayer. Some of you are probably one of those hopeless cases. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. My, my friend, when you begin to review what God has done in our life and we begin to go back and see, you'll see how faithful God has been. He is consistent. We're not, but He is. And you'll realize the truth that God never lets us down. When those seeds of doubt are planted in our minds, we need to look to things that Jesus has already done in our life. Look at the promises that are here in the Word of God. And realize God will do it again. He'll do it again. Sometimes we wonder if he's present at all times. But what did Jesus say in John 14, 18? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's always there. Philippians 4, 19, we all know that. Sometimes we wonder if God can solve our needs and our problems. But you know, my God shall supply all your needs which uh, according to his riches in glory and by Christ Jesus. He is a supplier. There's those, maybe sometimes we doubt our ability to do what we're doing. We doubt the ability. We feel weak, but we know what Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's good to get in the Bible and start uh, looking at what God has promised, the promises of the Word of God that, that are here in, our, in the Scriptures here. You know, you may doubt your salvation, but you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And the Bible goes on to say this. I like this one. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why I got a t-shirt at home that says, I'm a whosoever. But if you're like me, there will be a time in your life, or has been, it's not now, but there have, maybe you doubt your salvation. Am I really saved? Now I'll go back to what I've done back at Twin Springs Baptist Church, 1974, on the fourth pew there. Knelt in prayer. Couldn't get to the altar, but I knelt there in prayer and asked Jesus into my heart. I go back to that verse. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thankful for that. You may be here today doubting your salvation. Hey, well, you're thinking now, aren't you? Well, let's go back again and find out for certain what actually happened. What actually happened to me is I asked the Lord to save me. But if that hadn't happened to you, then you need to be saved. You understand? Oh, we all have doubts, don't we? We all have doubts. Let me close out here today. You know, a lot of times we get offended, but blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Don't let Jesus offend you because, hey, if he's offending you, you have a wrong expectation of who he is. A lot of times we have doubtful thoughts. We need to, uh, when they come, we just simply need to, as Barney, let me quote Barney 5, we need to nip it, nip it in the bud. <laughs> Write that down. Barney Fife or Steve Bester. Nip it. 
because it's like a cancer. If we let it go, and you all know about the evil thing of cancer, it grows, it spreads, and before you know it, we become in a bad place in our life. It's a slippery slope if we let it linger in our life. Nothing wrong with the doubts coming in our mind because they do come. It's when we allow it and let it stay there, then it leads to a heartache of sin. You know, here it is. We must look at Jesus and who he's done. Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he will. And we can trust him in that. I don't know what you're facing today. Maybe there's some doubts popping in your mind. But I'm going to tell you this. He is who he says he is. I was reading a, a little outline on, on this. Uh, it says, uh, here's how we say, we, John the Baptist or we, me. Uh, I, uh, you, Jesus, you're not who I thought you were. Jesus says, I'm more than who you thought I was. Look at my track record. And then everyone here can say this, he's more than we could ever think he could be. And that's true. And I'll tell you, we, we look at who he, uh, what he's done in our life, the track record, but then look at the testimonies of everyone else here in this room who can testify of who Jesus is. The great evidence is there. Do we look for another? No. No. We don't need to. And you'll find in John the Baptist, uh, of course, we know he was beheaded. We know that he, I kind of wonder if he knew he was going to die. Wanted to know if he got the right one, baby. <laughs> you got the right one, baby? You know that commercial? But, uh, you find it didn't deter him for what he was doing. He still preached the truth there even in the prison. It settled his question again. He realized who Jesus was. He saw the answers to what he didn't understand. He did not, he did not let the questions destroy his faith. And he allowed the presence of the Lord. And, what he, and that's how we are today. Let the presence of the Lord... Uh, give us strength and assurance in our life. That's why we have the scriptures. That's why it's important to talk to him. That's why it's important to believe the scriptures and see what God says. I find that this book here I have in my hand, it's a living book, and it will jump out. It will jump out at you and speak to you. This, this word of God will speak to you. Sometimes it, it soothes your heart. Sometimes it gives you comfort. Sometimes it will slap you right in the face. Oh, it's like them Rolaid commercials, whatever, where the taco comes out and starts slapping you. You ever seen that commercial? A meatball comes out, it's action, wah, wah, wah. Sometimes the Word of God does that. You open it up, and sometimes it's just right there in your face, pow, pow, pow. But we need it to take care of our assurance in life. Now, with that being said, as we close today, I wanted to let you know this. There's a God who loves you, and a God you can be trusted. You can trust Him. You may have some doubts, but what better way to go today than to just take them to the Lord? What better way is to, as the Bible says, cast your care upon Him, your anxieties, because He cares for you. What better way, what better person to talk to than to the Lord? And then to review your, the things that God has already done in your life and review what He's doing right now. You'll find that God has always been there. He's always faithful. Always was, always is, and always will be. You may be that person today. Uh, don't kick yourself, just talk to the Lord, okay? Then you may be here today. I'm going to give you this uh, uh, thought today. You may not know the Lord personally. You may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, you're sitting here uh, listening and you're, you're thinking about your salvation. Maybe there's doubts. Maybe the reason why you have doubts, it could be because maybe you've never trusted Christ. You may be relying on the baptism or the church membership or religion. You were raised religious, but there never has been a time in your life when you realize that you are a sinner, that you asked the Lord to save you. What better way, what better way to, to 
end this service and start this day than to go out of here knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Would you like to come this morning? We'll have what we call the invitation to invite you to come. Place your faith and trust in him today. Won't you do that today, okay? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to pray. After we pray, uh, our musicians will come, if you would. After you pray, we will ask you to stand. And after we stand, you come during this time of invitation. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that when we do have doubts in our mind and our heart, that we have a source of truth that is unshakable, that is a solid foundation that we can go to. God, I pray, Lord, that you help us to turn over any kind of doubts in our mind, in our heart. Help us to be settled today so that we can walk in our Christian walk. God, during this time of invitation, I pray that our hearts will be uh, responsive to the Holy Spirit today as we make decisions for you. And again, if there's one without Christ today, I pray they'll come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You come right now as the invitation is being played and sung today. Maybe you just need to come for a time of prayer here at the altar. Come on right now. Come just as you are. That's how God wants you. And you'll leave changed. You'll leave better.